0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.
1: This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. At least a few times this summer, we've woken up to hazy skies clouded by wildfire smoke from way up north. And if you're like me, you've been checking airnow.gov more often, not just for myself, but even more so for my 70-year-old mother-in-law and my seven-year-old outdoor summer camper. Some days, the air quality index is so poor that we're advised to stay indoors. But even on seemingly clear days, the St. Louis region often has poor air quality, and it has nothing to do with wildfires. So what is it about St. Louis as a region that leaves our air quality so much to be desired? And those weather app alerts that tell us to avoid being outside, how much credence should we give them? And really, how bad is St. Louis's air and why? Joining me in studio to talk about it is Jack Fishman, professor of meteorology and director of the Center for Environmental Sciences at St. Louis University. Jack, welcome to the program. Thank you. Now, how would you rate St. Louis's air quality compared to other similarly sized cities in the U.S.?
0: Well, I really don't think St. Louis is that much worse off than other areas in particular. And I think if you look in a h- historical perspective, air is much, much cleaner almost everywhere mm-hmm. uh, because of the passage of the Clean Air Act in, in 1970. So I sort of take a little bit of issue saying that St. Louis is um, specifically worse off than many other places uh, the real problem is that the entire planet is sort of getting dirtier. So we're seeing background concentrations of pollution increasing. Mm-hmm. We all know about carbon dioxide, but one of the ones that uh, I've been specializing in for almost fifty years is is ozone. Ozone is an irritant, and it is the uh, the pollutant that is most often exceeded insofar as the air quality criteria standards that were set for it in the St. Louis region. But again, like I say, the bad ozone that we used to see back in the 1970s and 1980s, we don't see those kinds of concentrations anymore. But because of the growing background concentrations increasing, we could exceed the standards more frequently just by adding a little bit uh, of what St. Louis emissions would would contribute to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, background concentrations, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, I guess I got my start looking at what we call global scale cycles of, of atmospheric trace gases. And uh, in particular, like I said, my specialty was, was ozone, ozone in the lower atmosphere. Uh, there's still a lot of confusion. Ozone is an important trace gas because when it's in the stratosphere it protects us from ultraviolet radiation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately when it's down here in at the lower atmosphere and you're breathing it in, it's an irritant. So this is why we have uh, regulations to try to control the concentrations. Mm-hmm. So what we're finding, and we did an analysis that we published about 12 years ago uh, looking at 30 years of ozone data here in St. Louis. The background concentrations are increasing, but what we see is when it's dirty, it's not as dirty as it was. So, uh, the phrase we sort of coined here is that the uh, dirty air is getting cleaner, but the clean air is getting dirtier. So, what that means is that we don't have to add that much more locally to exceed the standards and be put in these um, categories, what we call orange or or red anymore, where uh, the amount of uh, pollution in the atmosphere is hazardous to certain. Health groups, especially like you mentioned, your your son or your daughter, who is seven, and the older generation. It affects older people and uh, young people the worst, and especially people who work outside. And then, more importantly than that, you shall hear probably uh, in a few minutes those who are susceptible to. Uh, Um, diseases like like asthma and stuff like Mm
1: that. So looking at airnow.gov, there have been a few days recently where we were in the red, Mm -hmm. meaning that the air was unhealthy. Is that because of the wildfires in Canada, or is it our ozone pollution, or or really just a mixture of both?
0: Um, Yeah, the answer is both of the above, exactly as you say. Uh, Unprecedented wildfires in Canada, and because of the way that we had uh, transport from Canada down to the Midwest. And then of course, uh, once it hit the East Coast and and you saw these amazing pictures over New York City where the sky was orange. Um, So it's a combination of of these massive fires that are taking place in Canada and the right meteorological conditions. And in addition to that, when we have the right meteorological conditions here in St. Louis, what we often refer to as the dog days of summer, Mm. uh, we're trapping pollutants near the ground um, no more so than in other areas of the country, but um, we feel it here in St. Louis, especially with, with the uh, very high humidity that we have here in St. Louis, so we can feel the, the, the situation under which we have really polluted air.
1: Jack Fishman is professor of meteorology and director of the Center for Environmental Sciences at St. Louis University. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation and focus on who's most affected by poor air quality and what can be done to address disparities in care and support. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. Before the break, we were discussing the St. Louis region's air quality. Whether it's unhealthy red days or orange ones that are unhealthy for sensitive groups, anything other than green days deemed good by airnow.gov has negative effects on certain residents across the St. Louis region. Here to talk with us about that, we have Kelly Harris, Assistant Professor of Occupational Therapy and Surgery in Public Health Sciences at Washington University. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. And Leah Clyburn, Community Leader uh, and Environmental Justice Advocate with the Missouri Sierra Club Chapter. Welcome to you.
2: Hi. Thank you. Thank you both for
1: being here today. Now, Kelly, who is most affected by poor air quality?
3: Well, um, so I do asthma research, so I'm going to speak to kind of the area I work in most. And I think that youth with asthma in particular in our region are highly affected by our poor air quality days.
1: Mm -hmm. And Leah, back in 2021, you organized a a bi-state rally for cleaner air. You brought together people from North St. Louis and East St. Louis at the McKinley Bridge to share their individual struggles with the region's poor air quality. What do we know about the air quality in East St. Louis and its effects? Well, with throughout our St. Louis region, um there
2: was actually a study shown that there is a significance difference between our, you know, various demographics. So what you have is like white Americans experience six, 17% less pollution than they generate. And unfortunately, where does that pollution fall? It falls in the backs uh, or, you know, the the lungs, if you will, right, Mm -hmm. of Blacks and Hispanic population at the percentage rate of 56% more pollution for African Americans and even um, 63% more for Latinos. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's inequitable. And it is a constant reminder that our communities, we're all one community. Our children are, like, like the professor said, are the most impacted. Mm. I mean, Missouri, St. Louis alone scores, according to the St. Louis Equity Indicator Report, scores um, as one of the worst areas in our country mm-hmm. in regards to air pollution and asthma rates within our children. And yeah. we, our children, deserve better. We deserve better.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of kids, um, Kelly, how is it that pediatric asthma? impacts outcomes for youth? So I think
3: um, there are several ways, right? So, you know, just to kind of touch on um, what Leah was saying, we, we see disparities in our asthma rates, right? With um, black populations in particular in North St. Louis City, North St. Louis County, um, having some of the highest asthma rates in our region. And we know that asthma impacts um, youth directly through thinking about, you know, kind of stress, lack of sleep or disrupted sleep, Cognition and, and kind of motivation impacts. And then there's also indirect impacts on academic outcomes through a, attendance at school. So mm-hmm. asthma is the number one reason that kids miss school. And that missed time in the seat, those are lost learning opportunities. So um, there are multiple ways, I think, you know, if we think about individual stress for kids, but then also for families, right? Yeah, so it impacts yeah. kids' outcomes, but then we have to think about caregivers and parents who have missed time at work mm-hmm. um, to care for for they you know, children who are experiencing
2: asthma symptoms or asthma flares.
3: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And those parents themselves may also have that. asthma that they're dealing with. Exactly. A
2: multi-generational homes. You have also grandparents. Exactly. Right? Upper mm-hmm. respiratory. Yeah. The story goes on and on.
1: Yeah. Kelly, your 2019 study about asthma in kids, it highlighted the need for investments and interventions to improve, one, environments, mm-hmm. two, health, and three, Economic resources for our region's youth. So that was in 2019. Has any of that been addressed?
3: Um, Not directly. I think that we still have a lot of work to do. Um, So that story was in 2019, and then you know in 2020 we kind of shifted focus to 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 some other things that were happening, you know, nationally. But I think that um, when we think about healthcare, really investing in greater access. To healthcare and to to primary care, so not just emergency department and urgent care access, but really being able to access primary care providers and asthma specialists on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Access to medications. We know that you know if we look at just the geog- theog- geographic, excuse me, distribution of those um, facilities and resources in our in our region, they are they are not in the places that that, sh- that study actually shows that it's a geospatial analysis that they are not in the places where the highest rates are. So. You know, even when we have access to care, it's yeah. often inconvenient, mm-hmm. right? You have to have transportation. Yes. Um, our transportation system, um, while good, you know, it, it doesn't get, go everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's a challenge. And
1: um, go ahead. Yeah. What are some good resources for, for families in our area so
3: there are, um, the Asthma and Allergy Foundation provides resources both directly to families and through schools. So uh, resources like, you know, access to medication, they have partnerships with pharmacies that um, help provide that medication. Again, you have to be able to get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, then they also provide individual resources to families to just mitigate some of the triggers that are inside yeah. our homes, things like bedding covers and things of that nature, Um Several of our schools have resources through like a mobile asthma v- van program, Healthy Kids Express, which operates out of um, Children's Hospital and BJC. And so there are those types of accesses that ac- uh, resources, excuse me, that provide that access mm-hmm.
1: to some additional you know medication and, and treatment yeah. services. I did not grow up in the St. Louis area mm-hmm. um, and it was you know quite a number of years ago, but the way that asthma is talked about now, and the way that it's talked about here is nothing like Anywhere what I remember else. growing up with. Yeah. Now, Leah, you were part of a coalition that put together a report also, 2019, mm-hmm. that highlighted environmental injustices to uh, in St. Louis, that is. And you and your co-authors wrote that St. Louis has been in violation of the federal health-based air standard for ozone since 1979, so that would be <laughs> when I was growing up and that it violated the federal based standard for fine particle pollution from 2005 to 2017. What does health based standard mean and who needs to be held accountable for these violations? When we talk about standard, we're ta- we're. Normally,
2: I mean, I'm not an expert on that part. Right. But like Mm -hmm. when you talk about a standard, the baseline is nationwide. Right. The expectation um, that we all should be held to. Right. Um, For a better quality of life for all. Kind of the whole point, right? Um, and who's to be he- held accountable? This is this is where our regulatory agencies, like the Department of Natural Resources of Missouri, the MDNR, and our EPA, um, are very our which is Environmental Protection Agency, um, they need to be held accountable. Uh, our EPA, we need to call our EPA up and be like. <laughs> We need you to um, hold you know hold our MDNR accountable for how they regulate um, our utility companies like like Amron and um, and their coal plant over in mm-hmm. Um We have too many coal fire plants in our region that do not have the scrubbers, do not have the protections to protect. Uh, protect those who use their the, their utilities um, like you know scrubbers that that'll allow for the reduction of so much co2s um, at the end of the day our this is not this is a nonpartisan issue mm-hmm. so our governor also needs to step up he regulates governor parsons regulates and and holds the MDNR accountable mm-hmm. but if he doesn't hold them accountable based just because he might not like who this is most impacting um, or the region in which it's impacting most, such as St. Louis, because of the political strife. This is not a political issue. This is about people's quality of health. Yeah. This is about the future of our state. And we deserve better. We love to be outside. Mm-hmm. The one thing that anybody, <laughs> whether you grow up in Missouri or you're from somewhere else, you learn about going to the river. But you can't go to the river if you can't breathe outside, right? right? right. Exactly. And um, you know, the earlier y'all were talking about parks. We can't go play basketball if you can't breathe. Right. You know. And those so many things when we talk about our children, we talk about our community, we need recreation. We need to be able to commune with our environment around us. That we, there are there's facts around how it helps us mentally and physically, but we can't even take on those natural resources of healing right. due to these um these um these lax laws, these lax agencies, these lax regulations.
1: And this really gets to what people experience like on the individual level. And Kelly, I understand that your son and daughter both live with asthma. I mean, how does your family's experience with pediatric asthma in particular inform your work? And then how does it just make you sort of think about what people can do to create some change?
3: Uh, it really informs my work i think that it helps me to understand you know i so i'm i'm interested in asthma work broadly and and asthma in particular among school age youth. And so I have two school age youth who have asthma. And so thinking about understanding what that means on the ground every day is important. Um, Thinking about, you know, kind of the air quality issues we've had here of late. A conversation I have with my teenage son often is about whether or not he should be spending time outside Mm -hmm. and whether, you know, he wants to go do X activity that's outdoors for however many hours. You know, what does that mean for what your evening is going to look like and what your medication use is going to look like? Mm -hmm. I think those are things we think about. The other thing we think about um, a lot is, you know, kind of that access to medications. We have great access to medication, but only so often. Okay. And so if we are concentrating our use early in the month and, you know, we can't renew prescriptions for a longer time, like, those are things yeah. we have to be able to plan for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, you know, so just the, kind of the everyday implications of what it means to have asthma or have a child and be a caregiver of a child with asthma and then what that means for their day to day experiences? You know? Yeah. Um, what What does that mean for, to not be able to go outside? For you know, when I was growing up, that's what we did yeah. all day, every day, right. all summer. <laughs> right. right, locked outside. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and stay so, out there for a while. Right, <laughs> streetlights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so thinking about you know having to tell him, no, you can't go mm-hmm. to this activity because yeah. it's outside too long and it, it's really just not wise. Yeah, for your health and. Um, I think those are the hard decisions and the things that, you know, are the day-to-day
1: yeah, yeah, implications. Right. Yeah, And that goes to that family stress that you were talking about, like For a sure. sort of constant low-grade always there. And that's a family
2: with means. Yeah? Whether, you know, yeah. Yeah. The flexibility,
3: you know, you don't get a, a, a long warning sign when asthma's going to flare to know that you need to be able to build it, you know, have time to take off of work and those right. things. You know, it, it kind of happens when it
1: happens and being able to be flexible yeah. and, and account for that is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Leah, you'd mentioned parks. You know, how much does green space in our region play into asthma rates and air quality? And maybe it should be not so much Like what green space exists, but what doesn't. So, you know, the existing tree canopy in North Louis is the lowest in the region. Right. And that correlates with your data on childhood asthma, Kelly. So. I mean, I mean, got to love the trees,
2: right? Who knew the trees can just clean everything, right? Um, It's our natural uh, filter system. And yet, why are we missing why? Why? And and where are the where are we missing? Right? Yeah. Like you acknowledge that, you know, you can look if you look from you know, um, you know, a bird's eye view, you can see the difference of where the greenery is, where the trees are, and where they're not. And where they're where they're missing is predominantly black neighborhoods. And yet that's where the pollution is carrying, right? Because our natural filtration system is missing. Mm-hmm. We need those trees. But we need trees also in parks to be accessible to all people, whether you have the funds or not, right? We all pay taxes one way or the other. And so our tax dollars go to make sure that these parks are available for all in the area. Um, and so... Um, when we talk about having the, that kind of access, um, we're talking about a better quality of life with something just so simple as a native tree mm-hmm. um, in Missouri to be grown, to be nurtured, and to po- provide the cooling, the shelter, the calming, right? Um, but most importantly, the cleaning that yeah. is
1: necessary. So it takes some time for trees to grow. True. So, it, you know, insofar as what is possible... Um In the present, you know, Kelly, what is it that individuals can do to protect themselves from poor air quality's harms? On an individual level,
3: I mean, you know, I think thinking about our own indoor spaces and making those as healthy as possible, but I think you know and accessing those resources, again, a lot of those things are not easily accessible, free or cheap, right? Um, So I think there's that. I think, you know, being mindful of, being aware of what the air quality is like and how we're, um, you know, kind of moving in and out of it. I think, though, thinking about um, kind of the the community element of our outdoor spaces. I think trees is a big element. I think debris and trash is another. And I think, similarly, we see Mm. um, kind of a... uh, 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 geographically, we can see where things are, you know, kind of cleaner, nicer, better, healthier in terms of environments. And so I think, you know, we can all individually contribute to that. I think that's also, though, a a kind of broader population level um, investment that we need to be making. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, on an individual level, it's really about kind of taking care of our our health, really being mindful, being aware of um, air quality outside and just thinking about how we're engaging in that and making sure that we're protecting ourselves, protecting our kids, advocating for our, our, our families, our
1: children, and each other. Um, yeah, In your community work, Leah, have you heard about things that that people in clusters or in community are doing in order to uh, to get to the things that they need?
2: Yeah, I mean, the commu- community, what's best about community is community works together. Um, the uh, the St. Louis Mutual Aid has been working together with um, any and all people <laughs> willing and able to help provide any and all resources um, to people in need, um, and making sure that we connect those individuals with local, um, uh, you know, healthcare groups and/or churches. Um, but and then there's also sorry, and also I can't can't um, leave out like you know they over in North City they did this. Um, what is it, the box fan Mm -hmm. filter training, right? right? Uh, Um, But that's not our responsibility. That's not the people, right? Because we didn't, that's a real small print or thing that we could do when actually, you know, what's coming up, we're about to enter an election year. It's real. We have to vote people in Jeff City that are aligned with the care for all people and not just for a few um, in order to better hold our um, our Department of Natural Resources accountable to hold these agencies accountable, yeah. right, for better um, care for, for the earth.
1: And the box fan filters, mm-hmm. can you quickly describe what that is? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So I had to learn myself, right, because I was mm-hmm. really surprised. But people have been doing this for years because they couldn't rely on the state or the city to help them fix this problem. So what they would do is you get a box fan And you take, you know, the filters that you would use for your heat, heating and air conditioning and you you tape it on yeah. the box fan you turn the box fan on you put it in a window and you you let it run and you seal it off around and the hope is just like when we wear the face masks during you know the height of covid is that that filtration system will try to collect as many of those particles uh, that is in the air yeah. as it comes into the house so it's a diy that should not yes. be diy it should not be <laughs> diy and the, it was really cool that they 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 have um people have found magical ways of like add and I say magical because I think it's really cool when when you bring herbs into the space so they 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 brought in lemongrass and and um, lavender and different things to help with even the idea of can't being able uh, not being able to breathe impacts people's you know (sighs) emotional level, right? An ability to even, if your emotions aren't right, then your cognitive isn't right, right? <laughs> right and right. so um, bringing in ways to bring in calmness into the space, even in such a stressful situation.
1: Leah Clyburn is a community leader and environmental advocate, um, environmental justice advocate with the Missouri Sierra Club. And Kelly Harris is assistant professor of occupational therapy and surgery in Public Health Sciences at Washington University. Appreciate you so much today. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury, with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr.
0: Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer.
1: St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.
0: Understanding starts here.